thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back to another episode of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac, and today I'm joined by the one, the only Zach Weiss of Across the Cavs. Always good to have you on, Zach. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good, and I'm honored to be the one and only because I do know other Zach Weisses. However, I can confirm this is <laughs> official. This is confirmed by StatViews, ESPN, Stats Info, and the Across the Cavs database. There are no other Zach Weisses hosting Cavaliers related shows so i am on to be the one and only and to be with you on this late saturday evening following the bucks knocking out the hawks oh man yeah i am so glad to see milwaukee advance after everything they've been through this season and last season the addition of drew holiday has just meant so much to that team and obviously with Giannis's uh recent injury that it's it's kind of up in the air how far they'll actually be able to go in the finals but nonetheless i'm still excited to see them make it there it should be a hell of a show man against phoenix and who would have thought you know chris chris paul uh you know just uh, one series away from getting the first title of his uh illustrious career man that's the that's the cherry on top for him that's really the only thing missing from his resume but this is a cavalier podcast <laughs> so we're yes. not gonna we ain't even gonna talk about all that let's just get into the uh what everybody really wants to you know apparently drop their opinion on and that is the Cavs' choice and number three man on june 22nd we learned that the Cavs will be picking third so what does that mean well obviously you know barring some miracle <laughs> some act of god we are not going to be drafting Cade cunningham but doesn't mean it's all bad there are uh, this this really is a great draft and there are some really really high potential players that are, will be available so if we are to assume that Detroit drafts Cade Cunningham number one overall, like has been said for so long, I think he's probably been the consensus pick at that spot for, for a very long time now. If we are to assume that they do draft him, that leaves two prospects who, depending upon how you view them, could be viewed in a 1A to 1B I don't really see any real competition to these two, and that is Evan Mobley and Jalen Green. Now, picking number two is the Houston Rockets. Widely expected that the Rockets are going to take a look at Jalen Green, which would obviously leave the Cavs with possibly Evan Mobley. So, Zach, 
I just want to ask before we go into player breakdowns and whatnot, on the record, if you had to decide between one of these two guys, you had your pick of them, who are you taking? Yeah, so I just also want to say that I think it's really cool that the potential draft order could actually follow what these guys are ranked coming into the season because so often these top guys, example, Shabazz Muhammad, Michael Porter Jr., just to name two, were these extremely hyped guys coming in, whether for injury or bust, whatever happened, they just fell in the respective draft. The top three prospects coming into the college season, one of them obviously picked the G League, in order was Cunningham, Green, and Mobley. So for those to be the top three picks a year later, I just think is great because so often the RCSI ranking, which basically shows the top 100 high school prospects entering college or wherever they're going to play, that is actually going to hold up. That being said, I'd say Evan Mobley because you can never have too much rim protection and defense, which the Cavs do not really have the power forward spot because Larry Nance is constantly getting injured and he's the only real good defender at the spot. And it, but, but in Jalen Green, we're going to talk about you have a very good score that's still working on his paths. He might be coming in like a Sexton type, but I'd say Evan Mobley, he's tall, he's working on his shot, and I mean – when you have two guys that can block shots, that is a luxury and, you know, can be a little mobile. That's a luxury that you love to have in today's NBA. I couldn't agree more with your assessment in that regard. I will say this, man, Mobley checks pretty much every box that Cleveland needs. And that's the biggest, I think, thing that people are losing sight of right now. What Cleveland actually needs versus what would look nice in Cleveland. Cleveland needs a guy like Evan Mobley. This guy, man, he he's obviously raw. We all know that. Very young guy. Average 16.4 points per game. Obviously, at his size, you know, he's an excellent rebounder, 8.7 per game. And he's an underrated playmaker, you know, 2.4 game. Now, there are areas of his game, obviously, that need to be improved upon. You know, he... <clears throat> has got to put on some weight. He right now is currently listed, I think, on Basketball Reference and ESPN at 210 pounds. Dude, Joel Embiid is 280. So if you're going to, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this down the line, but if you're going to immediately slot him in at the power forward position, that would that would probably be okay. But if you're going to play Mobley in some, you know, lineups at center, his chances of being able to work against some of the NBA's elite at that position are damning until he puts on some weight. So that is definitely one uh, red flag for him, something he's got to do. And I have no doubt that he'll be able to, but it's really just going to depend upon how serious he is about it. We see so many of these guys coming to the league now who don't take their body seriously enough. And I, I'm really hoping that Mobley doesn't fall into that category. He's not really an explosive guy. You know, he, he uses his size to his advantage, not really super athletic, but at his size, it may not matter. You know, the guys out there blocking 2.9 <laughs> shots a game, yep. he, he's really, you know, he's a rim protector. That's definitely something that Cleveland, you know, could definitely use more of. Jared Allen is, you know, a hell of a a hell of a player in his own right. But getting a rookie coming in at, that just averaged two point nine blocks a game straight out of college would be huge for this team. Yeah, and something to note, and uh, this is coming to me as you were uh, going on. 
is I see a possible Memphis type situation where you already have a guy that's established and they, and we're going to talk about Jared Allen, assuming that he comes back. So you have Jared Allen established in Memphis, you have Alan Tunis, and then you got your power forward. Who's also seven feet in that case, that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Who went healthy was a serviceable scorer, mostly, mostly with a jump shot, some drives, and a very good rim protector. And you stick Mobley next to Allen. Obviously, we hope Jarrett gets a little comfortable with the outside shot. Doesn't need to take a ton of them. Maybe one a game just every now and then if he's playing away from the rim to open it up maybe for Mobley. But we, we've seen situations in the modern game with teams having success even with two seven-footers, which is why if anyone that had the issue there, don't because Mobley might not be JJJ with the way he shoots, but Jared Jackson was not exactly lights out from three in college. He made some, but it wasn't the focus of his game. Now that he's going pro uh, Mobley, I think it will become a bigger part of his game. Just like we've seen a lot of bigs. Like Brooke Lopez, just again, not, not the same player and Lopez is bigger, but he didn't ent- he enter with a mid range game. Now he's got an late three point game and it only took him a year to work on it. So Mobley is going to be a guy that can hit from the outside when he has to and when games really start to matter. So Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, came in, or rather coming in with a 30% uh, mark from outside, and that's encouraging. I definitely think with volume and as time goes on and attempts, I think he'll definitely be able to increase that in the NBA. Um, you know, he's, he's defensive versatility is, is really a, a huge strength for him. I, I just, if you put on the film, you watch the tape of this guy, you see, he has really, really good timing. He's really good against the pick and roll, you know, good reaction time. He reads defenses rather quickly. He's very nimble, man. A seven footer with, you know, such quick feet as him don't come around very often. And a lot of the film you watch, he's, this guy can switch. He's very. He reminds me of early career Tristan Thompson. Well, not maybe not early career, but I want to say mid career Tristan Thompson. His okay. ability to switch to to guards that was very evident watching some of his film. And obviously, he's a huge threat <laughs> as a lob uh, a lob guy. You know, a la someone like Clint Capella. I could definitely see him. You know, be running a devastating pick and roll with somebody like Darius Garland. Definitely yeah. love to see that. I would definitely love to see that. And also, you mentioned switching on the guards. Obviously, that's important for every player in today's game. There's very few centers that can defend the perimeter as well as the three. And the only guy, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm forgetting someone obvious, and please call me out if I am, Mac, but Joel Embiid, I'd say, is the only center. And this is more so with what I remember watching in the last couple of months. There were a couple of possessions where you had to guard Trey Young. Joel Embiid's the only center I can think of that is as good at times on the perimeter as he is in the paint. Because it's very hard when you're that big and that 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 high off the ground that you can defend the perimeter like that. But Embiid was doing so, and so it's important. But not a lot of big men thrive. Like Rudy Gobert, for the three-time Defensive Player of the Year, he is literally lost his team a series because he couldn't guard outside. I think Mobley's going to really a good presence for the Cavs on switches which Kevin Love has not been in the last couple of years right and exactly I think the the only big on the roster that could really be counted upon uh, to be switch heavy is really Larry Nance yep Uh, so I think Mobley would be a huge addition to this team and like I began you know 
it's what the team actually needs. It's not, it may not look like the sexy pick <laughs> that, uh, that Jalen Green would be, but it's what the team needs. It's what the fit would actually, uh, it would actually work best in my opinion. But on the flip side of Mobley is obviously Green. Green, man, he, he's a highlight unto himself. You know, in, in the NBA's G League at night, this this kid was lighted up 17.9 points per game 4.1 rebounds and still developing as a playmaker 2.8 assists but you, you gotta admit there's just something about this kid that draws you in it's it obviously the explosiveness the athleticism is there he is <laughs> he, he will not uh disappoint in that regard well but, Oh, one thing I know. You go ahead. I'll, I'll hop in after. Go ahead. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> nah, dude, you're good. All I was gonna say is this: this kid has the wow factor, and so that's why so many people are infatuated with his possible fit with Cleveland, in my opinion. But obviously, we know where that could potentially lead for a guy like Colin Sexton on the roster. Doesn't initially mean oh, you got to trade the guy, but. If the fit is not looking good, you know they're not gonna they're they're gonna look at Sexton first as the obvious trade candidate. They're not so much gonna look at a guy like Darius Garland uh, before they will look at Sexton, especially with him being in line for uh, rookie max extension. So uh, before I go any further, go ahead and get off the chest what you need to say. Yeah, so I mean, you don't just go to a team like the G League Ignite without knowing you're going to create some controversy. Ignite it, if you will, on the team you're projecting <laughs> to possibly play for. <laughs> Had to get it in there. That's a good one. That's a good one. Jalen Green, man, he he's excellent in transition, big time finisher. I believe he shot like. 69 some percent from inside five feet so he's definitely you know a finisher he, he kind of reminds me watching his film he reminded me a lot of early career Kyrie Irving the way he contorts his body uh you know the how devastating he was as a finisher attacking the basket just c- c- can complete layouts from just about any angle it's, it's very fun to watch a very fun brand of basketball that he plays but yes. with that being said he also has weaknesses as well. You know, this guy is listed, I believe, at 178 pounds. Sack, did you know that Colin Sexton weighs 190, or at least that's what he's listed at, and he's six, I think, six two, six one. I mean, Colin Sexton is a bull in the weight room. I expect him to weigh 220, honestly, at this point. No, I'm not, I'm not surprised, though. I'm not surprised. I, I, I would venture to guess that he's gained at least 10 to 15 pounds just of muscle since he entered the league. Hell, so that, man, that Darius, Garland, Darius Garland's got more weight on than this guy. <laughs> oh, yikes. That's, that is a bit of a problem. He, he's real thin. So, you know, it may not, for his brand of basketball, it may not be a huge problem, but against NBA caliber wings, it's got to put some weight on. Uh, outside of that, you know, his defensive awareness, he, he's definitely has the, the tools. He's got the frame. He's got the athleticism to be a... Uh, a very good defender, a la you know what another guy who just kind of takes me off that that has all the tools but has never quite put him together yet defensively is Andrew Wiggins. So I look at this guy Green, and obviously the Cavs are not taking Darius Garland off the floor if they draft him. They're probably not going to bench 
Isaac Okoro, the guy that they're going to look at is Colin Sexton. Now, you, there there is some arguments to be made that they could roll out a three-guard lineup. And I would be interested to see, at least initially, what that would look like. But I just think selecting green would just cause more problems than it actually would help this team. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. <laughs> the Cavs Twitter seems to be all over the place with this. And obviously, you know, and, and, and very quite candidly, a lot of this is obviously out of our control. Houston is going to decide who we select. Yeah. So. yeah, and you know, I mean, another another bad pun alert, but I mean, Houston, we might have a problem over. I mean, they're literally going to, if they choose to take Mobley, and look, you guys are traded at midseason all the time and have these great runs. Example, Jabari Parker got traded to the Wizards a couple of years ago at the deadline and looked like a beast. So did Bobby Portis. They didn't keep either guy. I think there's some kind of option where Olenek could become a free agent this summer. He put up literally all-star numbers over that last With month. Houston, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so I don't think, and again, I don't think Kelly Olenek putting up those numbers has any effect on what they want to do. Obviously, they're not building a team around a guy who still hasn't figured out that goatees are not in like that. He Tell still that has to that. Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie's cool, man. Spencer Dinwiddie had, was almost an all-star. Kelly Olenek and the Cavs have bad history, so I have nothing nice to say about him right now besides the fact that he played well with Houston. But I say that that'll influence none of their choice, what they might be doing, what the Cavs are trying to do, and they might want someone to pair with Wood because we don't know what their coaching staff looks like long-term. You know, We don't know if Steven Silas is going to stick there, if this bad year that – Went from having Harden and Wall turned into a nightmare. We don't know for sure that they want to just dump Wall and take a Jalen Green to maybe run things. I mean, they might want just KPJ at point guard, and they put Jalen at the two and just buy out Wall. I don't know what they're going to do there. That was there. going to be my next question, because if, you, if you're if you going into the season expecting Wall to be 100% healthy and you have KPJ as your two, you're still possibly looking at Green? I guess, I don't know. No, that's- for sure. You know why? I mean, KP, we saw it in Cleveland, he could play the three just fine. Either guy, and look, he and Green are both small, yes, as far as weight goes, but they can handle themselves anywhere from the one to the three on both ends. Are they going to be stalwarts on D? Hell no. No chance. Are they going to give you scoring? Yes. And with that three man lineup, I mean, you're going to have a lot of ISO ball, but you're going to have good camaraderie. And I don't know what they're going to do. I just. I hate the fact, and look, it's it's basketball. It's the numbers game. Having the third pick is awesome because you're supposed to get what seventh or eighth. But it comes with this decision by Houston: either Sexland stays, or it's just going to be Moblin becomes the new <laughs> that's duo. That's a, that's a good one. That's a I, I heard Moblin uh, and Frobley. That's those Frobley. Oh man, I'm sticking with Moblin just because I came up with it on the spot. But I do like Frobley. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on the on the back burner and uh, credit <laughs> as it's due from wherever it came from. Yeah, somewhere out there on Twitter. I think our uh, our good old buddy old pal Braden Todd. I think uh, it was on one of his threads. But Braden balling. He's always he's always balling with these great ideas. Shout out to him. Yeah, he's uh, he definitely is a knowledgeable guy on Twitter. Uh, but 
it's just it's just so messed up. I mean, you know, every single year, obviously, you know, the, the team picking third <laughs> is in this odd predicament where obviously the team ahead of them is going to dictate heavily most of the time who they're going to end up with. Uh, and that obviously is not going to change this season with Cleveland. And I I really hate to say that because I think that if people just realize that not everybody develops at the same rate, and I think that if everybody just takes a step back to look at what we have, look at the bigger picture, look at the homegrown talent that we have here. Are you really wanting to just move on from Sexton that quickly? Do you really just believe that Sexton is just a score on a bad team, which has been echoed so many times by, you know, Cavs fans and NBA fans and in general alike? I, I just don't get it, but it's obviously going to have a lot to do with Hugh Houston takes. We know Kate's going to go number one overall, but this, this whole off season, all of the roster additions, free agency, it's all going to hinge upon who Houston selects. It's not even Cleveland is who Houston selects. If they get Mobley, we obviously have to go green unless they throw us a curveball like they did with Anthony Bennett. <laughs> you know, eight, oh, nine wow. Can you, what if they, what if both, okay, actually, here's something. Um, if both guys are available because they think Jalen Suggs is just too good to pass up and the, Rap, the Raptors are going to be screaming at the clouds if that happens, um, who would you, would you, would you take Mobley over green? Just knowing that we have the backcourt set, you don't want to cause any problems and you think Mobley has the better impact in Cleveland long-term. There are two scenarios to answer that. Uh, there are two scenarios in which I would be okay with Cleveland, uh, either direction. One, that would be obviously going with Evan Mobley. And I think that would solve a lot of problems that Cleveland had this past season. We never truly had a healthy four or a skilled four. I think Mobley would step in immediately and, uh, you know, assist in solving both of those problems. He's not going to be a finished product from day one. He's still raw, like I said before, but he would immediately step in and, uh, you know, help this team become a little bit closer to, uh, to, to competing for a playoff spot. I think you stay the course with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland as your backcourt. I think you continue to let Isaac Okoro develop because, man, towards the end of the season, he's really going on a tear. And you have Jared Allen, who presumptively will be brought back. And there's obviously, if you take Mobley, there's going to be a caveat with uh, with Allen down the line, you know, depending upon how much the Cavs value him. Because uh, there's an argument to be made that uh, if, you, if you do end up taking Mobley, then you're going to have to possibly look at letting – Alan Walker, maybe possibly a signing trade, something of that nature. I'm not of that mindset, but I can definitely see, you know, if if that were to come into play, uh, I could definitely see the reasoning behind it. But that's scenario one. You take Mobley, yep. and, and I'm great with that. Scenario two is to find a trade partner, a la the Orlando Magic. Grab picks five and eight. Take a guy like uh, Scotty Barnes or... Jonathan Kaminga at five, if available. And at number eight, getting somebody like Davion Mitchell to solve the backup point guard issues that we have. Those are the two scenarios that I'd be cool with. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, if you get picks five and eight, you got to take those guys. 
but those are the only two things that that I'd be willing to do. I'm not taking Suggs. I'm not taking Kaminga. I'm not taking Barnes. I'm not taking anybody. Oh no! Else. Wait, this is if Jalen Green is available. Oh, if Jaylen, and Suggs was taken by Houston. Oh, if Green is available, no, I'm still going Mobley. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I, I guess I wanted to make sure for options. Oh, for option two. Yes, for for okay. for for option two. Well, for both options, quite candidly, I'm not taking. I see, I see no way right now to. Did I see? I just don't see a good outcome with it, man. If you take Green, that there's more bad that's going to come good of it. I did nothing against the guy. He is, by all accounts, he looks like he's going to be a hell of a player. But I think with what we already have established, that it would really just be more harm than good. And you know, if the Caps end up taking Green, but I'm not going to be mad. I'm definitely not going to be mad because he's he's definitely has high end potential. But I'm going to be a little bit, you know, just a little bit on the fence about how the Cavs are going to work out this roster. Yeah, and you know why? And at the end of the day, I mean, it's all about how how you perceive color, right? Because Sexland is obviously wine and gold. There is no green in the Sexland. There's no green, none. The green crayon is just the green <laughs> crayon is left outside the box. You know, the green highlighter did not make it into the class. Uh, pencil box the green cookie did not make it after saint patty's day you know that's it it's just there's no green it's just sexton and garland there's no green sex land there's no sex green no there's no green it's a two person a backcourt is comprised of two people they're not just going to become the shortest front court trio in nba history it doesn't work like that small ball is not three guys that are six two or shorter actually jalen green is six five but that's beside the point you get what i'm saying so, so on the flip side of that, just to play devil's advocate, is there a scenario that you can see the Cavs possibly talking Sexton into coming off the bench as a super? No, 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 no. Colin Sexton went from averaging 17 to 21 to 25. If any other player on any other team does that, it's let's pay the man the bag now, right? Let's make sure the media knows what he's up to for two years. Trey Young put up ridiculous numbers, and Colin Sexton's not in his league. He's a great player, but he's not in Trey Young's league, despite them only being a couple of picks away from each other. Trey Young just took his team to the conference finals. Did he have a great supporting cast? Absolutely. But was it Trey himself leading them for the first two rounds in the first few games before the ankle injury of round three of the conference finals? Yes. Also, yes. And so you look at it. If, if what they have right now, they just they grow together, they just get in. The Cavs can just get into the playoffs. That's it. People understand how good Sexton is. These are not empty numbers, not at all. He's doing this because no one else is stepping up. Colin Sexton goes on these spurts, most notable Brooklyn, the 20 straight. But he's constantly scoring 10, 12, 14 in a row, eight, eight even. Or he's just hitting three, four straight baskets, keeping them in games. When push comes to shove, and yes, Colin Sexton technically has no buzzer beaters, but he has hit so many shots with the shot clock off in late games that we can probably use both hands to name them all off. He has become the clutch guy, and this and it's not you. This is, again, me just getting mad at everyone else. The notion, <laughs> to, yeah, the notion to bring your 22-year-old unofficial 
Fate, hair and face of the franchise. No disrespect to Alan's fro, but still, Sexton's hair is what we think of. He is just so exceptional as a player, and he's learned. And, I mean, no one faces this criticism like this for nothing. Kyrie faced criticism because no one wanted him to be in Cleveland for those first few years except for the Cavs fans. And the media obviously was trying to push that narrative of Kyrie's camp. I don't even remember what that was about. We're not, we're not in a time capsule. We are digging out the time capsule, which is why we're talking about the past. And Sexton's just too good. I mean, I'll defend him until, until he's not in the league anymore in like 18 years. He's going to have a full career. You know, he can score. He's got so much game. He's high energy. He loves the city. All he does is work. All he does is post videos of him working, you know. No. So I, that's our guy, regardless of what they did in the draft. He's the starter for the entire season. The only time Sexton is coming off the bench the first 10 games of his career, which have already obviously passed. At game 11, he started. It's been smooth sailing since. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. I, I'm really, it's really starting to get under my skin, the amount of just slander, the amount of disrespect that this guy is getting. Because let's just be straight up. You trade the guy to Miami – He's going to be an all-star there just because he's in Miami. He's mm-hmm. going to put up the same numbers. He's going to be just as effective, and he's going to have a good supporting cast. He'll be an all-star immediately. If the only reason why this guy is getting talked about so much in such a poor light is because he plays for the Cavs. I, you know, I, we just we can't we got to stop labeling these guys as scores on bad teams. Not only because the guy's only just coming off a of year three, but because there are literally no other options you know obviously you have Darius Garland Darius Garden, uh, Garland is starting to come into his own in regards to scoring but there's just not really any other guys who can create their own shot on the Cavs at this point Isaac Coro is getting there I definitely like what I've seen from him as a cutter as a three-point shooter obviously we know what he can do on defense but as a shot creator he's just not there yet I don't know if you can look up and down this roster right now and tell me another guy who can really come in and just inspire confidence in that regard. So we just we we got we got to stop talking down on you know these guys that we're bringing in. These things take time. You know we saw what Philadelphia did and their whole trust the process mantra. Well, that, it, it failed though. Yes, <laughs> it definitely in that regard for them has failed, but. Speaking in regards to getting back to relevancy and, you know, getting back into, you know, competing for a playoff spot and a title, things of that nature, Philadelphia has made it there just by, you know, trusting what they have in their main two guys. Well, you know, obviously we think there's possible movement coming for Simmons and Cleveland could possibly tie into that. More on that later. But we, we got to stop treating these guys just so disrespectfully just because of the situation that they're in. So long, you know, to make a long story short, obviously if you guys can tell by now, I would like the Cavs to select Evan Mobley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants Moblin. Mac wants Moblin. Mac, you know, forget about vitamin. You know, or uh, Motrin, or it's Moblin. We, we, we need to take our daily dose of Moblin. That's what we need. No more Motrin. Free the Moblin. You're just, uh, you're on a roll now. <laughs> it's the 11.51 kick, man. What can I say? Easter time. 
That's what's uh, up. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. Okay. So we know both of these guys obviously are going to play, you know, huge roles wherever they go. You're looking at the Cavs roster heading into next season under contract. As of right now, you have, if I'm not mistaken, you have Sexton for one more season until he hits restricted free agency. You got Garland. You got a coral. You still got love on the books for however long. You got a, you got Jetty, <laughs> the first Jetty. Uh, Prince. Wow. For uh, for one more season, you got Nance, you got Winler, you got Stevens, you got Wade, you got Cabin Jelly. If I'm forgetting anybody else, it's because they probably just aren't that relevant at this point. Maybe Damian Dotson. Eh, get him out. Yeah, so, he served his purpose. <laughs> so with that current roster, you add one of these two guys, they're probably going to be a playoff caliber team, at least, you know, fighting for the playing game but you're going to have to retool it. So I think the obvious answer here is to take Mobley. Nothing against Green, but you you go with Mobley and you're not going to upset the balance of how things are. You're not going to hurt anybody's ego. You you know, you might you might hurt Kevin Love's ego. Ah, <laughs> uh, Kevin Love won't be here, so I don't I don't think that matters. Kevin Love the last time we hear the words Kevin Love and Cavaliers will be at the Olympics. That will be it. Where, by the way, he does not belong at all. What is that? What, Kevin Love literally quit on the Cavs mid-game this season. Yes, we, we've been back. We've all been. We've all talked about this. There are times we like him. There are times we don't. We did like him again after that for the, what he did against Boston in that late-season game, his last of the season. However, Kevin Love does not treat the game the way it should be treated. Julius Randle went from bust in New York, or not bust, but underperforming guy, to All-NBA second team in a year where they got every single NBA thing wrong as far as uh, the teams go. But they just had so many wrong. They got the awards right. The teams themselves were terrible. But he was in deservedly. And you know what the excuse was? Colangelo said, uh, Kevin Love has more inexperience on that stage. Randall has none. Yeah, well, it needs to be built because Kevin Love was given the chance. I'm sorry. Look, I'll st- I still do wear my Kevin Love shirt. I'm, I'm still very cold on him, though, as far as his fit. It is a disgrace to the Olympics and what they are for the guys that work their tails off to for these chances to just put Kevin Love on the roster. It has to be said, right? It has to be said. He does not deserve that spot. Given that only 12 guys out of 400, or actually it's probably close to 500 with the new Raw. So 12 out of 500, Kevin Love is one of them? That's just, I'm not okay with that. Yeah, yeah, dude. I don't know what that shit was about. <laughs> uh, you know, sorry. But I really don't know what that was about. You look at a guy like Julius Randle who... Man, he had one of the most just meteoric rises this year that we've seen in a long time. He deserved to be there. This this just so much reminds me of <laughs> Isaiah Thomas being left off the dream team. Oh, I met the criteria, but I wasn't uh, picked. Obviously, it's not that big. Obviously, this isn't that same type of Olympic team. But for Love, a guy who averaged 12.2 points and 7.4 rebounds this season, no, no. No way he should have made it on. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you saw Jalen Rose's comments. I'd love <laughs> to hear you uh, regurgitate it to me right now because I cannot say I did. 
basically, to make a long story short, Jalen Rose alluded to the fact that Kevin Love made it because he would potentially be the token white guy to make the roster. <laughs> he eventually backtracked on his statement under obviously some pressure, probably from ESPN. And by the way, you know, if we're just going to have a quote unquote token white guy, although we're not, we're not going to go down that obviously. Yeah. I understand why Jalen backtracked. Just get Tyler hero. Cause everyone actually likes him, even though he shoots 30%. Ken loves him 30% and we hate it. Hero shoots 30%. Oh my God. He made three shots. He is the next goat of the NBA. That, that's, that seems to be the reaction whenever he makes a shot. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's the truth. Everyone wants him to be amazing, and it's every time he shoots four for 13, it's the four makes, not the nine misses that matter. <sighs> yeah, man, I, I just – I don't know what to say about this guy. You know, I, I will forever be, you know, glad and grateful that Kevin Love played a part in bringing Cleveland a championship. You know, he obviously was not the uh, the deciding, determining factor – but he definitely had a big role to play. And I'll forever be grateful for what he did. But that time has passed. This is a what have you done lately, uh, lately for me league. And in regards to Kevin Love, you know, I might feel a little bit differently about this. Have we just not seen so many outbursts from this guy? Mm-hmm. He clearly does not want to be in Cleveland. He clearly is not comfortable in the role that he is in. And then that role is going to continue to shrink, especially if you select Mobley and love is not traded. Uh, even he'll if he'll be you, traded, he'll be yeah, traded. I, even, prom, I don't know where, but he will be. He should have been gone <laughs> mid season last season. Yep. I, I, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I was going to say, cause the, I remember him and Tristan were both um, mentioned as guys. Then Tristan uh, walked after the season. They wanted to try him with Drummond initially. And then obviously I don't, and how they traded Kevin Love, we might have gotten Dean Wade earlier, which might have made him even better this season. But, you know, I'm, but I, I mean, I'm not blaming Kobe for not pulling a trigger. He probably didn't see anything. I got, but he should not be here. Honestly, though, based on what happened this year, I could see the Clippers, if they don't have to give up a ton, finding a way to get something done. Because based on how they played, they really could have used a Kevin Love guy that's a more consistent shot maker on the perimeter uh, in the game that they got destroyed to end that series. <laughs> he could uh, actually help them there, man. to be honest with you. Both L.A. teams. I, I could definitely see a world in which, you know, our good old pal LeBron James, you know, calls, <laughs> calls the Cavs and says, hey, give me Kevin Love. Make AD play center full time. <laughs> We That'd saw be very interesting. Uh, I could definitely see that. I mean, he's not going to come with uh, you know a high price tag. They just want to get him off the books at this point. Uh, you know when you when you're talking about making room for some of these you know big time extensions down the line for Sexton and possibly Garland, Okoro, Allen. You know this year's draft pick. Who knows what could happen? But I, I am kind of glad they head on to him because we did finish with the third overall pick. I think he played a big part in doing <laughs> and getting us there with uh, him mm-hmm. missing as many games as he did and him being as ineffective as he was while he was on the court. I think the last time we saw Kevin in a game was, you know, a pretty good game against Boston. Nonetheless, 30 and 13, 30, 13 and six, which literally got him his Olympic tryout, whatever final spot. 
I mean, I wish the, if the U.S. had to go through qualifiers and then he was playing, maybe I'd feel a little better about it. But it's not even like they had tryouts this time. It's just the first 12 people that say yes. So that, that's really the problem with it. Because other, other teams and other countries, obviously it's different. They have less NBA talent. But guys get turned away. Not everyone just gets in. You have to try out. This is just a given. And still, I know we, we've been talking about it. He did have a nice last game, but he, they hand-picked him. You know, they sent him the invite personally, and he really opened it and said, yeah, I want to do this. Like, okay, okay, Mr. Love, I don't love that, but you do uh, you. I got to ask you this, Zach. Is there, what, what's the possibility that this is all just Kevin Love faking us out? What's the possibility that he goes to, no, go to no, uh, Tokyo and this, dominates? No, man. Look, we know Harden wore the fat suit in Houston because he <laughs> doesn't just lose that weight. That's a given, or we'll call it, you know, to be more PC, we'll call it a sumo suit. He was wearing a, like a, a double XL sumo suit to make it look like, or he's wearing like 20 warm-up shirts. I don't know. But in this case, you were not being duped. This is real. No $30 million player in the NBA has ever been this inconsistent slash bad, ever, with this much time on his contract. Am, am, am I wrong? I mean, oh, people man. think Wiggins is bad, but like – Wiggins is actually a really good player now. Give me Kevin Wiggins love. for love, straight up. Give me Wiggins I for love, I did see up. you post that. I, how's, how, how's the poll doing? Are we getting some Wiggins love on there? <laughs> I haven't checked it in a while. I guess I'll do that live. <laughs> Let's do, I'll, I'll go there, too. Dude, All right, I'm giving it a second yes vote on Across the Caps. All right, it's 62.2% yes. <laughs> yeah yeah so i think that the majority of Cavs fans at this point would probably you know be okay with a trade like that you know i don't know if you're going to start wiggins if he come back to cleveland but i definitely think it would be better than what we're getting from love so you know there's just no there's no reality that this that this is okay and uh, there's just no no possible reasoning that Kevin Love should have been on this roster over more qualified players more deserving players i.e. like you mentioned Julius Randle definitely should have made it in so it's it's, it's great a bullshit that that Kev made it in but you know hopefully something good comes of it if he still if he doesn't end up getting traded and he has a hell of a run at the Olympics, maybe it lights a fire under his ass. I don't know. Maybe it gives him uh, the only thing. Sorry, the, the only kind of fire that that can be lit and with Kevin Love in the sense is if is if he and his fiance go on a hot air balloon ride. It can light that fire. That's it. There's no other fires to light. <laughs> None. Ah, uh, so the That's ship it. sailed for, for for Zach Weiss. The Caleb ship is sailed. It's it's just done. Yes. It's, Yes, I love my City Edition Kevin Love tee that I got a couple of years ago. I'm going to just keep wearing it, but I'm excited to wear it as a throwback and not as a guy who's still on the roster. That's, that's, that's my final, my, actually, you know, my final, final Kevin Love thing. Trade him. If you have to attach a guy like Jetty to make it happen, fine. If you have to attach a 2022 first-round pick just to get it done, fine. Because if all goes according to plan with this draft and this free agency and this core – the draft won't matter at all for them next year. And I'm sure they'll find another way to get into that round. So whatever it takes, trading a pick next year, even if it's first round, whatever. And by trading the next year's first round pick, hypothetically, you incentivize. You tell the team, you know, you're, you, there's nothing to fall back on. You want to win. 
And again, you don't just trade a pick, especially if you're in that position. But if you think gets rid of Kevin and it gets these guys going like that because you have a great pick now, then I don't see the problem with that. I think I really like the fire. And that's my closing thought on Kevin Love. Okay, so we'll go ahead and close the door on this Kevin Love talk for now and get to some more interesting news. And that is the uh, men's Australian basketball team, man. It's just good to see Della Vadova, you know, make a return to meaningful basketball. I know you have a lot to say on that, so I'll let you go ahead and head off this conversation. But, dude, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I know Delhi's days in Cleveland are probably numbered, uh, assuming the team gets – uh, a new backup point guard, but still love to see this guy, uh, you know, have some type of meaning from basketball ahead of him. Uh, so without any further ado, man, just, just take it away. Tell me what your thoughts are on the Australian team. Yes. I just also want to say happy fourth wedding anniversary to our buddy. He celebrated on July 1st. You know, I had to say that cause I knew that I, I didn't know where I found it. It must've just been on. Wiki the hell or did something. you find that out? <laughs> Everything. Hey, man, I, I had a sneaker. I have a signed ball from a, from a family friend. I have three shirts with his name on it. So plus two jerseys. This is my guy, right? This is everyone has that guy. Deli's my guy. He's letting my favorite Cav all time, including LeBron James, including Kyrie Irving. Anyway, yeah, I'm really excited, man. Uh, he was fantastic in 2016. And the fact is, you know, Delvadova suffered probably the worst concussion of his life right before the season started during preseason against Indiana. This after a long layover from last season. So it was literally what, his first or second time on the court. He's out several months. He comes back. And before he's back, he has to deal with an appendectomy. He misses the final 13 games of this season after coming back with a new injury. So to see him healthy enough to compete on the international stage is just incredible. I mean, it was 2020 was tough for so many to see him able to do this. is It's great. You know, I'd love to see, you know, him and Patty Mills on a real NBA team together. I don't think that's going to happen, but the Australia team is really nice. I mean, we got our guy, Delhi. We will, uh, we're going to see Dante Axum, who I'm also very glad is Southie. Remember the Cavs traded him to Houston this year uh, in the Allen trade. Uh, no one spoke of him again. Cause he never got on the court. He was not fully healthy. Uh, about a month and a week has passed since the regular season ended, so I'm sure he's had more time to rehab. So now he's good to go. No Ben Simmons. They also have... old man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's very it's very much it's very interesting. You know, it's 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 crazy. You know how, how some of this goes. Matisse Tybel is going to be there too, so I'm very intrigued to see where he fits in, how many minutes he'll get. If they'll use him better than the Sixers use him because they do not know how to use him at all. But this is a fun team. You know, Chris Goulding doesn't have long hair anymore, which is kind of sad, but he's still got a, a nice shot. It's a fun roster. You know, I'm pulling for them to, to medal. They, I think they just missed out on meddling in 2016. I think they lost the third place game, if my memory serves, and Spain just barely beat them. But this is a great team that is ready to go. And I know – I can't recall who their coach is. I think – actually, it's Brett Brown. It's Brett Brown, right? No, he's done. Brett Brown is no, done. I don't think it's Brown anymore. He stepped down. And regardless of who the coach is, I should have known. It's different from 2016. It's been so long that I've been connected to international basketball. I'm actually resubscribing to ESPN Plus on Monday – 
to catch up or maybe even tomorrow today it's after 12 to, to catch up on what i've been missing but i'm excited and you know we have 50 second cavalier andrew bogut might still be going i don't okay no, i'm clearly uninformed wow. <laughs> all i care about is Vadova. that's it all i care about is my man delhi where he goes i go and so if even if Vadova goes to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, apparently I'd become a Brooklyn Nets fan just for just for Del That's 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 my love for that guy, and I am excited to watch him lead a very talented team to their first ever medal finish in the Olympics. I don't believe they've had one, so that's that. Yeah, pulling for uh, for our guy Delhi here. We'll see another guy, you know, making the rounds in the Olympics is our good old buddy old pal Jetty Osman, man. <laughs> whatever Turkey. your opinion is, yes whatever your opinion is on jetty you know it, it's just fun to watch them you know play i would be very interested to see them let jetty run backup point guard to begin next season point jetty you know we saw some of that this season but i'm glad that uh that he is he has a possible chance i think if i'm looking at this correctly to make the Olympics, I know they lost to Greece, but I, I'm not really sure how all these qualifiers work, to be honest with you. But uh, the, the Turkish team, man, did you know Semi Erdin was is, is still on that team? Semi or Dan is still gone. Oh, my God. That I I went to Cavs Nixon person uh, back when uh, Semi was our starting center. And, I mean, we blew a 20-point lead that day. I mean, I don't think he's the sole reason – but I'm not a big Semi or Dan fan. You know, I think that it's funny. His name is S-E-M-I-H. And, of course, the Celtics have had the only two semis or shemis in NBA history. First, they have Semi with an H. They drop the H and they pick up Ojale, S-E-M-I. I mean, are they going to get a Sem in this year's draft to, to, to finish the, the, the trifecta of S-E-M? <laughs> they might, man. I mean, this uh, the, the, the team, you know, has some some – notable NBA guys on it. You know, you see guys like Harrison Ilovasova, uh, you know, he had a pretty Utah jazz. Yep. Yeah. He had a pretty, you know, uh, pretty long career in NBA. And it's, you know, so far, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, you know, the Sixers. Bucket. I'm, Bucket yeah. when he's coached right. He doesn't get enough minutes consistently. That, that's the issue with him in the NBA. Anyone else from uh, current NBA? Ah, uh, no, so man, that's, those are the only two guys that I recognize. <laughs> Some of these guys on Let's here. See. Could have sworn I saw. Yeah. Oh, is, is, is Furkan Aldemir on that list? I am looking and I don't see it. No, okay, because there have been two Furkans in NBA history. Both were Sixers, both Turkish. I, I'm hoping Turkey can make it. We'll see how these qualifiers shake out, but those are, I think, the only two two uh, current Cavs that are in action right now. You know, some former Cavs. So you have one time Cav Andrew Wiggins just got knocked out today. I think in a pretty hell uh, in a hell of a game. Did you get to see any of that? Yeah, I didn't see it, but I did read they were down ten. They got to OT on a Wiggins shot, and of course. The only relevant Czech player in NBA history, Tomas Aronanski, just comes through with 1.8, you know. Uh, Jan Vesely's a bust. That's why I say that. And, I mean, what a shot. Sadoransky should be a better NBA player at 6'8", so I'm surprised that he's still not thriving. 
because he, he has enough muscle that he can post up. He doesn't use any of his size well. But that man is just a good, solid rotational player, and I am, I am happy for him. You know, it stinks for Wiggins and Barrett and all the great. And Lou Dort was uh, actually guarding the shot that went in, which is even crazier. But, you know, uh, good for Sadoransky and tough for some of our old friends. It, that Canadian team is stacked. You know, when you talk about some of the more named players on there, obviously Barrett, Wiggins, Dort, uh, you know, the, these guys are – all really good players in their own right and specialize in doing different things. But I'm very surprised they got knocked out as early as they did. And I'm honestly not sure if they got knocked out, but they lost. <laughs> yeah, but – and you know what else stinks, though, is my favorite coach on the sideline, Nick Nurse, is actually their coach now. So that is an NBA coach with NBA talent, including Corey Joseph, who was the starting point guard, I think. A championship winning coach at that. Championship winning coach that could not – I don't know who the Czech coach is. I, I, I don't know if I even saw the name, if I could pronounce it. But um, it is still good for them. I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't even think they qualified yet. I think they're, they still need to win again. I know Greece is going after it. Kostas is the only Antetokounmpo brother playing for them because the other two are in the NBA Finals. But uh, my final note, Mac, it has been great chatting Olympics. Cavs, Moblin, everything. I say this. Let's go Delhi. Let's go Australia. And and also to quote Brandon Jennings, Bucks in six. Not against the Hawks. That already happened. Bucks in six over Phoenix. Giannis or not, here they come. <laughs> Second to, you know, I would love to see Chris Paul win his first ring, but I just I don't see it happening. I think that uh, that joyride comes to end against Milwaukee come the finals. I don't see any other way that this could possibly go. Uh, but we'll have to see, dude. I, I really I'm really pulling for him. It sucks if the Bucks do end up winning in six and Giannis doesn't get to play. You know, there's going to be you know asterisk by you know the the our, the NBA community as a whole, much like the Lakers. You know, got a lot of. Uh, <laughs> slander for winning a quote-unquote bubble title last year but who knows we'll see with all these different injuries i'm just glad to see some of these some of these uh really good teams make it to the finals i think phoenix deservedly so should be there milwaukee definitely deservedly so but i uh, i will second the notion bucks and six with that being said sir (laughs) with that being said we're going to go ahead and close out today's episode as always if you want to reach out to me you can do so at it's cavalier underscore pod and don't forget to check out across the Cavs if you're not already subscribed zach is one of the most knowledgeable people in the Cavs community so make sure to check him out have a good one